Those who want to sit on the chairs, you are quite welcome. You don't need to feel you feel comfortable where you want to sit. ಸಹನೌಭುನಕ್ಷ್ಣು ಗುರುರ್ದೇವ ಮಹೇಶ್ವರ ಗುರುರೇವ ಪರಂ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮ ತ 
तस्म श्रीगुरव नम तस्म श्रीगुरव नम सदाशिवसमारंभाचार्यमध्यमस्मदाचार्यपर्यता वंदे गुरुपरंपरा हरिओं before starting with the lectures on shri rudram as actually planning to do the lectures on viveka chudamani but then there were couple of listeners who said that they were more keen on rudram so i was also keen researching on it so i shifted the gears towards there so this was inevitable that one day or the other i would start on this and here we are of the many works of shri adi shankaracharya ji viveka chudamani is one of the bigger volumes there are about 585 shlokas a larger than this or a bigger work of his than this is called upadesha sahasri then there are other works like atma bodha tatva bodha which we have seen in different occasions sadhana panchakam bhajagovindam in the sequence of things before we can attempt on learning with in a traditional mindset learning about bhagavad gita or upanishads these prakarana granthas are essential because they bring our understanding to a baseline when in the upanishad they talk about say karana sharira then we cannot be keeping a glossary next to us and keep searching for what does karana sharira mean or when they talk about paramatma ishvara virata and all such terms then we cannot just brush all these terms as something higher than the jiva there are all subtle differences so various aspects of vedantic study we have to come to a baseline <clears throat> because in our day to day language language evolves it doesn't stay the same and if you are working with children especially the high school and the college going almost every year there are new terms that keep coming in i mean in their terms new vocabulary just evolves 
and suddenly somebody starts using it, I said, what do you mean by that? I mean, I think that I have to catch up. Even those who just graduated, when they get back to them, they, they feel they have to catch up with them. The language evolves. And with that language, there are certain usages that we get very comfortable with. Like, for example, in a very colloquial language, when we say uh, it's the case of heart, like, you know, it's the issue of the heart. A troubled heart that that individual is. Now that heart <clears throat> in technical Vedantic terms is used as manaha. Manaha can be translated as mind. So when, we, when in Vedanta this, they use these specific words, we cannot be very liberal with these specific words because they carry a certain depth a certain perspective of understanding which should not be missed. So Viveka Chudamani through these 585 shlokas tries to cover every aspect of Advaita Vedanta in a very systematic order. <clears throat> but before we can dwell deeper into Viveka Chudamani, we must definitely pay our respects to the great sage Adi Shankaracharyaji himself. A visionary that he was. <clears throat> he also did not, when I say he also, many of these stalwarts did not live long. They had a very short life. But in that short life, what they have accomplished is of colossal magnitude. So a little brief introduction into his life. He was born in that era wherein Buddhism and Jainism had taken firm roots long after Buddha and Jaina Mahavira. Up until then, there was only the Hindu tenets, Vaidika Samskriti, that was the predominant practice. Because in the Vaidika Samskriti, there is a scope for every kind of mindset. Even those who do not believe in Ishvara, Nirishwaravada also is an aspect of Vaidika Samskriti. Ishwaravada is also an aspect of some Vaidika Samskriti. Charvaka, the most materialistic, they were also an aspect of Vaidika Samskriti. So from the most uh, firm believers to those who firmly, vehemently oppose it, they form the fabric of Vaidika Samskriti. That only shows the depth of Vedic literature to accommodate with respect all these different mindsets or traditions. Now those who believe, within those beliefs there are so many other traditions. Advaita, Vishishta Advaita, Dvaita, Nimbarka, 
ಗೌಡ ಸಂಪ್ರದಾಯ ವಿಜ್ಞಾನವಾದ ಕ್ಷಣಿಕ ವಿಜ್ಞಾನವಾದ ಐ ಕ್ಯಾನ್ ಗೋ ಆನ್ ಲೈಕ್ ದೇರ್ ಆರ್ ಸೋ ಮೆನಿ ಸಾಂಪ್ರದಾಯಸ್ ದಟ್ ಟೇಕ್ ಕಂಪ್ಲೀಟ್ ರೆಫ್ಯೂಜ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಸಪೋರ್ಟ್ ಇನ್ ವೈದಿಕ ಸಂಸ್ಕೃತಿ ಬಟ್ ವೆನ್ ಬುದ್ಧ ಅಂಡ್ ಜೈನ ಪ್ರಿನ್ಸಿಪಲ್ ಸ್ಟಾರ್ಟೆಡ್ ಸೆಟ್ಲಿಂಗ್ ಇನ್ ಇಟ್ ಅನ್ಸೆಟಲ್ಡ್ ದ ಫ್ಯಾಬ್ರಿಕ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಸೊಸೈಟಿ ಸೇ ಇನ್ ಅ ಟೌನ್ ಆರ್ ಅ ವಿಲೇಜ್ ದೇರ್ ವುಡ್ ಬಿ ಒನ್ ಆರ್ ಟೂ ಗುರುಕುಲಸ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಟು ದೋಸ್ ಗುರುಕುಲಸ್ ದ ರೆಸ್ಟ್ ಆಫ್ ದೆಮ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ದಟ್ ಟೌನ್ ವುಡ್ ಸೆಂಡ್ ದೇರ್ ಚಿಲ್ಡ್ರನ್ ಅಂಡ್ ದೇ ವುಡ್ ಲರ್ನ್ ಥ್ರೂ ದಟ್ ಗುರುಕುಲ ಅಂಡ್ ದ ಗುರುಕುಲ ವಾಸ್ ಸಪೋರ್ಟೆಡ್ ಸ್ಪಾನ್ಸರ್ಡ್ ಅಂಡ್ ದ ಪೇಟ್ರನ್ಸ್ ವರ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ದಟ್ ವೆರಿ ಟೌನ್ that every day these students when they would come out onto the streets for the bhiksha because they are supposed to not have any possessions let alone have an iphone 7 students are not supposed to have any possessions as the belief was vidyarthinah sukham tyajet sukharthinah vidyam tyajet if you are a vidyarthi forget about the concept of sukha there is a saying i read it somewhere that said sweat more in the time of peace you will lose less blood during the time of war and during time of peace you are in luxuries then you will seldom learn so the students were expected to forego all these luxuries and focus on studies therefore bhikshatana wherein they would go on to the streets beg food come back and support the gurukula by these food that was brought in and when they say beg for food don't imagine of the begging status right today in the indian uh, context it was not something that was left over something that should have been thrown and therefore somebody is begging go put it in their bowl it was a portion of that fresh meal or fresh grains that were taken out and given to those who had come for bhiksha and then they would go back and continue their studies this would go on for anywhere between 15 to 20 years of study learning process was that very important when within that town when within that village those who were supporting this fabric of existence started withdrawing because they were now supporting the uh, bhikshu from the bauddha sampradaya or the uh, jaina sampradaya they stopped supporting the gurukulas and when the gurukulas stopped, stopped getting the support those who were the teachers those who were supposed to be in the gurukula with the vow of poverty and their focus being only education for their survival they started seeking the patronage of the royal houses the kingly statuses and they were quickly appointed because they were well versed not just in scriptures but also in all other aspects immediately they started gaining quite a popular status and the king started looking out for such gurukulas 
which were dwindling to take the cream of the crop. It was in such dilapidated structure wherein <clears throat> the structure was collapsing. To add more to this injury, the understanding, because the teachers were no more there, the understanding of what to practice and what not to practice and what is the purpose of certain practices was being lost. And in a collapsed state of fear, whatever they were holding on to, or they were holding on, holding on to it with such vigor that they were becoming more fanatics than true practitioners of what Sanatana Dharma was trying to point at. It was in such a societal mess, that period, that Adi Shankara Chaharaji was born into. He was born to Aryamba and Shiva Guru. <clears throat> in Shankara Digvijaya, a biography written by, I have at least seen 13 different biographies written by the Shankara Mata uh, pontiffs. One of the most famous one is Swami Vidyaranya's Shankara Digvijaya. <clears throat> He narrates Adi Shankaracharya's story as a screenplay in a very poetic manner. So it has gotten that popularity. So when you read through it, all these 13 different versions, at least they mention that both Aryamba and Shivaguru did not have children for a long period of time. And they were very pious people. Shivaguru was running a Gurukula himself. And one night, they both had a dream. In the morning, they both shared their dream to each other. And they had a similar dream. Rather, it's the same dream. It was like two different projectors in two different heads projecting the same movie. That they had Lord Shiva appear in their dream and ask a same question. The question was, do you want a son? who will be long living, but a good for nothing fellow, a menace to the society. Or do you want a son who is short lived, but will be recognized for his contribution for the rest of humanity. And they both ask, how short is the short? What 30 years? No, actually 16 years not 30, 16 years. And they both chose that 16-year option. It was later extended as a blessings by Vedavyasji to Adi Shankaracharyaji to continue for another 16 years. But when he was born, he was born with a time capsule of 16 years. And not, uh, you know, not later than you know two years after he was born shiva guru passes away by the time it is said he reached the age of four just running around that gurukula when different people were learning he had already picked up all that which was being taught <clears throat> so by the time he was five he was well versed in 
almost every shakha of Veda that was being taught in and around that surroundings. At a tender age of five, he first asked his mother, Mom, I think I'm getting uh, too restless in this kind of life. If you give me permission, I would like to take sannyasa. Forget about Adi Shankaracharyaji. Imagine if a five-year-old comes to you and says, Auntie, uncle, can I can you talk to my parents? I want to take sannyasa. You would immediately be alarmed. And you'll call for a counseling of those parents and say, What are you doing to your child? Hardly five years old and he's talking nonsense. My mother was scared. And somehow she got him to not ask that question. But by the time he was about seven and a half, eight years old, I don't know whether or it really happened, but there is a story attributed at this stage that he was taking bath in the river and he went for a swim in that river. And if you have gone to Kaladi, the river doesn't go beyond five feet depth. And in those shallow waters, crocodiles don't exist. It needs deeper water. But somehow, conveniently, there was a crocodile that was dragging him in. And in that despondent last moments of his life, he, he doesn't say, Mom, save me. He says, at least now give me a permission to take sannyasa. And she says, okay, dying man's wish, tathastu. As soon as he said tathastu, that uh, crocodile left him and he walks back to the shore. And he says, mom, thank you for giving me that permission. And then he goes in search of a renowned saint, Govinda Bhagavat Padacharya. An eight-year-old coming to Govinda Bhagavad Padacharya, again asking for sannyasa, he is not that very convinced that an eight-year-old should be given the sanctity of sannyasa. He doesn't dismiss him, but instead, he says, have you heard of Vishnu Sahasranama? He said, yes, I have. Can you at your leisure write what you think of it? Kind of, you know, your meaning to it. And by the next day morning, he had these thousand names with the Bhashya, his first commentary written down and presented to Govinda Bhagavad Padacharya, who after reading it said, it will be my privilege to give you sannyasa. Because if you read through that particular Bhashya, you would find that he has referred to not less than 20 Upanishads, different Apastamba Sutras, Mahabharata, Ramayana, and different Puranas as to where this name finds relevance and reference in that particular Purana, this particular story, this is what this name means. Therefore, this would be the interpretation of this name. All thousand names, an eight-year-old gives the commentary and that makes his, see when I am talking in Vishnu Sahasranam and Chitrakuta, it is that commentary that I am following. 
on Vishnu Sahasranama. <clears throat> it's a treat. Even if you know a little bit of Sanskrit, it is not complicated, it's very revealing. He stayed back in the Gurukula, they say for about four more years. And in those four years, he wrote entire Vedic literature again. Because the copies that were there, not many people had revisited in creating newer copies. They're getting uh, destroyed. So he rewrote them and then took his Guru's permission. Walked the entire Bharata Varsha. Now I specifically use Bharata Varsha rather than Bharata because Bharata Varsha is all the way from Kandahara, Gandhara, which is in Afghanistan, to Mongolia, to Burma, all the way to Lanka. So he walked through all these. And I say walk through, it was not like a casual walking, uh, you know, uh, with a backpack and a water bottle and, uh, you know, going for a trek here and there and there for a drive. It was a serious walk through entire Bharata Varsha, visiting all the major Gurukulas, re-establishing the Vaidika Sanatana Dharma, by the process of debating. Like when you have <coughs> during PhD, when you have your thesis, what do you call it? Dissertation? You have to defend that. And there are all stalwarts that are standing there and you have to defend your thesis. So in a similar pattern, he would go challenge them and present the Vaidika Sanatana Dharma. But the rule was, if Adi Shankaracharya lost in that debate, he would take to that path that one. And if those people lost it, they would join him in his endeavor. Thus, he traveled across the entire Bharata Varsha. While traveling, the volumes of work that he gave, It must have been <clears throat> that he would be walking and there would be a scribe or someone going along with him, writing down everything that he was saying. And that became a text in itself. I don't think he had time enough time to sit down and compose. While walking and taking care of this, the other uh, productions were being run on the side. The entire works of Adi Shankaracharyaji, if you have a printed version, I have it in three different languages. There are about 16 volumes. <clears throat> the original works of Adi Shankaracharyaji without any meaning, glossary or commentary, just his work. There are about 16 volumes. I'm not saying 16 works, all the works compiled in different categories, 16 volumes. In a very broad spectrum, if we divide his work, there are these Prakarana Granthas, 
like I have already said, sadhana panchakam, then there is atma bodha, tattva bodha, prashnottara ratnamalika, aparokshanabhuti, viveka chudamani, upadesha sahasri, these are all prakarana granthas. The second segment of his work can be attributed as devotional works, wherein name any god, goddess or deity. He has a panchakam, shatkam, ashtakam, dashakam, astotram written on those deities. Very devotional works. The best of his devotional work is considered as Saundarya Lahari and Shivananda Lahari. These are considered as his most amazing works, the second category. The third category are his commentaries on the Prasthanatraya. Prasthanatraya, when you are establishing a certain tradition, it is necessary that you defend that particular tradition by explaining Brahma Sutras, 10 main Upanishads and the entire Bhagavad Gita. Along with the Prasthanatraya, he has also commented on various other scriptures, like for example, Sanat Sujatiya and various other commentaries. So commentaries would be one segment. As if this in itself is not enough. He established four Mathas, Shringeri, Indwaraka, Ashram, Dwaraka uh, Peetha, then in Jagannatha, Puri Peetha, and in the north, Joshi or Jyotir Matha. And he had prominent 15 students and he divided them into these four ashrams and asked them to continue this meticulously day after day. Now that he had established this kind of a Gurukula system, he had to also give the details as to how to run this matha, who is to be established as the next in lead. See, for many, to create a movement in itself is a big task. But to create a movement with a vision that it can be sustained for a long period of time, 2000 years plus, and still the history or the tradition still stands. So there are these uh, books that he has written about do's and don'ts of the Matha. They are called Mathamnaya and Pithamnaya. Uh, how to run the institution. What kind of funds that can be generated. What, how to be using those funds. How to disperse those funds. So those who call or blame Adi Shankara Chaiji as pure Mayavadi, that everything is Maya, there is nothing uh, more to this creation than Maya, should read his Pithamnaya and Mathamnaya, is the most pragmatic text. In fact, I would prescribe it as a, a handy book for any organizational structure. Very beautifully compiled work. 
there is a fourth category the fifth category i call that as inspirational spontaneous outbursts these were not something that were uh, uh, you know he had a mindset to sit down and write down like viveka chudamani or other texts but a situation happened and as an outburst to that situation what came about became a beautiful work in its own nature the first of it was way before when he was still in gurukula in his father's gurukula i have had the opportunity to visit that street where it is claimed that he sung this particular where he had gone for bhiksha and this mother uh, had nothing else but dried gooseberries amla and she brings that dried gooseberries with tears in her eyes saying wish i could afford more i could have given you better struck by her poverty and good intentions he immediately starts chanting in the most complicated meter or a complex meter the famous kanaka dhara stotra similarly as an outburst he in the streets of kashi when he came across a chandala and looking at that chandala he said he chandala gachha gachha iti move away because he had just taken fresh bath and he was going into vishwanath temple and he did not want the chandala to cross path with him and the chandala said sharirat shariram va atmat atmatatvam va what exactly are you asking to move away from what if it is the physical aspect of it you and i are made of the same five elements the only difference is you just had shower i did not if you are asking from the standpoint of the atma tatva both of us are enlivened by the same tatva and that brought him down to the ground reality and what he composed there was called manisha panchakam and the most famous one thanks to and we are celebrating 100 years of ms subalakshmi ms subalakshmi ji she uh, made that as an eternal work of hers that even today when you go to as uh, farthest corner as in badrinath early morning you hear her sweet voice chant vishnu sahasranama and bhajagovindam you know that raja ji in my house at least it was a daily chore that every day morning the crisp voice of raja ji giving a uh, introduction to both vishnu sahasranam and bhajagovindam and then her sweet voice so that bhajagovindam was also an spontaneous outburst so that would be the fifth category in all in all all his work put together even if you take a, a single aspect of it and do research in it i have seen people get phd's just doing research on one single aspect of it and here is this master who just lived a short life of 32 years he started his work of travel when he was 12 and by 32 he
he had accomplished this much in one short span of life. So whenever we celebrate Guru Purnima, that's why I chanted Sadashiva Samarambham, Shankaracharya Madhyamam, Asmadacharya Paryantam, Vande Guru Paramparam. Because in Hinduism, we don't believe in a prophet somewhere 5,000, 2,000 years ago. We believe in a system of Guru Sishya Sampradaya, a tradition of Guru learning, having learned that, experienced it, brings down that wisdom of scripture in a language that that generation can appreciate and understand and apply it in their lives. So if we are able to today learn this Vedanta Tattva, we should be thankful and offer our gratitude to Vedavyas Bhagavan. Because he is the first one, a visionary in his own uh, grandeur, that he, without, if he had not that vision, we probably would not have had this scriptural depth to enjoy. It was he who brought the Vedic literature in a written format. And there was much more that he gave. So Veda Vyasa Bhagavan, then Adi Shankaracharya Ji. Now the recent past, <clears throat> often we don't mention his name, but many religious organizations recognize his work. He was born blind, Swami Gangeshananda Ji. He was the first one who brought the entire Vedic literature in today's print technology. This is about 60 years ago. The entire volume, four volumes of Rig Veda, Yajur Veda, Sama Veda and Atharva Veda, that he would chant it. There would be like in a day he would divide it into four segments. He had memorized all four Vedas and he would chant it expecting the scribes to write it down set it to a print set. It is not like uh, the DTP work that we desktop processing work that we do today. It had to be those blocks wherein all these uh, print blocks had to be arranged manually. Print one edition, bring that and they would chant it back to Gangesha Nanji and he would correct it listening to the chant. And thus, four or five times proofread, he was the first one who brought the entire Vedic literature into the printed format. And that version of printed format, there are at least four or five copies in different Chinmay Mission uh, ashrams, where they read one whole you know, segment of it every day, thanks to Gangeshananji. And one day Guru Paramparam to our own Swami Taponam Maharaj, Shivananda Maharaj, Guru Dev, Guruji to all of them. Without whose blessings and the effort and sacrifices that they have put in their lives, we would not have been sitting in this comfortable environment, nicely adjusted to 74 degrees Fahrenheit, where outside it is 100, inside it is pleasant. And we have a nice ambience 
and we are able to read, cherish, enjoy, hopefully understand as well and apply it in our day-to-day -day life. So, offering the gratitudes to the entire Guru Parampara, not delaying further, we will get straight into Adi Shankaracharya's Viveka Chudamani. As the name suggests, Chudamani is the crest jewel. When people, and in this country at least, Arangetrams are quite a happening thing. <clears throat> and I'm glad that during summer, that either I am out to India or conducting YUP course. Otherwise, one particular summer when I had nothing else to do, I had to attend 13 Arangetrams back to back, four hours each. And after that, I think my Prarabdha for Arangetrams is done. And don't get me wrong, I understand music, I understand uh, dance, I understand the sequence of things happening on the stage. It's just that I don't have the, I don't know, I don't relate to it. But anyway, when, when you decorate the uh, dancer, so there are different ornaments that go. There is one which goes on the there are two actually, which goes on the top of the head. One is the Chandra, the other one is Surya. On the top of that, there is a little bun of the hair. From there, the uh, hair goes down and you plate it. On that top of that bun, there is the jewel that is kept. That is called Chudamani. That which shines forth on the top of the top. And it was this Chudamani that was given by Sitaji to Hanumanji when he had come to Lanka in search of her so that he could give that back to Ramchandraji saying he had found his Sita. It was that Chudamani, the crest jewel. So what kind of crest jewel are we talking about? We are talking about the crest jewel among Viveka, that which would talk about Viveka, Viveka in true terms would mean discriminatory knowledge. But in this country, the word discrimination has been indiscriminately used. There are many people who have suggested that when I talk about Viveka as translated into discrimination, Swamiji, maybe you should change the word. Said, Man, as I adapt to your language, you have to adapt to the Vedantic language as well. I don't need to change just because there is a... Uh, you don't need to be so discriminatory to the word itself of discrimination. Discrimination is the intellectual capacity how we use it is a totally different case now. It's an intellectual capacity to separate good from bad, necessary from unnecessary, nitya from anitya. And this entire text 
focuses on building that sharp intellect to discriminate what to discriminate my own lower self from the higher self so that i can grow in that direction so the namakarana of this book explained the name is explained now getting into the text itself maybe by tomorrow i'll ask our bookstall people to bring these books viveka chudamani you can buy them <clears throat> and as far as i remember it has been in the same edition of the yellow cover with red uh, name on it you can see that it's right there that is how it is viveka chudamani so i'll try to arrange for it because it's a once in a lifetime kind of an opportunity wherein you are all sitting here trying to learn it would be good if you can become familiar with the pronunciation and chanting of the shloka as well so that when whenever your spirituality kindles and you want to look back into the book you are not intimidated by the sanskrit part of it oh bapre again sanskrit is fine do namaskar and keep it aside but nonetheless we'll start today repeat after me sarva vedanta siddhanta gocharam tamagocharam govindam paramanandam सद्गुरुं प्रणतोस्म्यहं सो दिस इज वन श्लोक दैट आई वुड वांट ऑल ऑफ यू टू मेमोराइज सो दैट व्हेनेवर वी कम फॉर द विवेक चूडामणि प्रवचन वी विल चांट इट एज द फर्स्ट इनवोकेटरी श्लोक देयर बाय यू आर नॉट लाइक ट्राइंग टू मम्बल योर वे थ्रू बट लर्न एंड देयरफॉर प्लीज रिपीट आफ्टर मी two more times sarva vedanta siddhanta gocharam tamagocharam govindam paramanandam sadgurum pranatosmyaham one more time sarva vedanta siddhanta gocharam tamagocharam govindam paramanandam sadgurum pranatosmyaham <clears throat> so the first shloka of any work especially in the scriptural reference is called its mangala charana 
invoking the divine and its blessings not just for the author and for the work but through the work to everyone that happens to go through this work so here he says pranataha aham asmi <clears throat> the last line pranatosmi aham pranataha aham asmi pranataha salutations salutations i offer my salutations who are you offering your salutations to govindam i offer it to govinda now here in this one small shloka he has shown his uh, poetic excellence he is using the pun in that word in very mentioning of govinda he has mentioned three different aspects the first aspect that adi shankaracharya ji is ishta daiva ishta daiva in children's language bff the the most favorite god of his heart was lord krishna in the form of govinda therefore you find in various works of his that he constantly mentions govinda again and again famous being bhaja govindam bhaja govindam govindam bhaja moodhamate there also he is mentioning govinda because govinda was his ishta daiva lord krishna was his ishta daiva <clears throat> so that brings a little tangent but i think it should be mentioned that within the traditions of worship there are traditions wherein depending on which god that you worship you belong to a certain tradition there are five main such traditions shaiva worshipers of shiva usually they come across with three horizontal lines on their forehead next one is vaishnava vaishnava the worshipers of vishnu and usually you see them come across with three vertical lines sometimes ending in a u sometimes ending in a v any tamilians here any ayyangars among them so they would know the difference vadagalai and tengalai v and u vaishnava sampradaya even in north there are vaishnava sampradaya especially when you go to shrinath ji or if that's in dwarka and those areas then you go to vrindavan you find these vaishnava traditions practiced when you go to west bengal there is a gauda sampradaya 
after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there is a Gauda Sampradaya there. They are also Vaishnava. So Shaiva, Vaishnava. Worshippers of Devi are called Shakta. Those who invoke Shakti, Shakta. Worshippers of Sun are called Saurya. And the worshippers of Ganeshji are called Ganapatya. Not understanding as to why that tradition, we become fanatical about one particular aspect of worship and tradition and we cross our arms with each other. So the horizontal and the vertical lines, they cross their swords quite often. And while they are crossing their swords, you know, when you join the horizontal and vertical line, what is formed? A cross. They go across reaping the benefit. If you know what I am hinting at. Our mutual animosity benefits the third person. Like sheer stupidity, but still. Apart from these five traditions, there are those who are called Smarta. If you write it in English, S-M-A-R-T, Smarta. Now what is the tradition of Smarta? Smarta are those who believe in one Paramatma and invoke any form as the expression of that Paramatma. So you may find them wearing a vertical line or a horizontal line or a stop sign, a yellow one or a red one or a white one, doesn't matter. A Smartha is somebody who believes in all equally, though you may have a personal preference of one among them. Most of the Adi Shankara tradition, which we belong to, in our tradition, Gurudev took sannyasa from Swami Shivananda Maharaj. Shivananda Maharaj took sannyasa from Shringeri Matha. And Shringeri Matha was established by Adi Shankaracharyaji. Therefore, the tradition is clear. We may sport a horizontal line, but that doesn't make us Shaiva. Because there is, there is some commentary by some people saying that, Oh, these Shankaracharyas are all Shaiva. No, they are not Shaiva. They believe in Shiva also. When you say Shaiva, it is an exclusivity. Therefore, when people come to me and ask, uh, uh, In Chinmaya Mission, what God do you worship? So I try explaining that, uh, you know, in different centers, we have different gods and deities. Uh, we believe in all. No, no, no. Like, you know, in this particular organization, they worship Krishna. In this particular organization, they worship Devi. What is it that you worship? So to get down to their level so that they understand, I tell them that we are not, in Chinmaya Mission, we are not interested in retail business. We are interested in wholesale business. We believe in them all. So Adi Shankaracharya Ji was a 
Krishna Bhakta and he invoked that Krishna as Govinda. Sorry for the sidetrack, but it was supposed to be informed, informative information. That is the first meaning of Govinda. Second meaning of Govinda. His own guru was also of the name of Govinda Bhagavat Padacharya. Therefore, he was invoking the blessings of his guru as well. Govindam Sadgurum Pranataha Ahamasmi. I invoke the blessings of my own guru, Govinda Bhagavat Padacharya. Govindam Pranataha Ahamasmi. Why is the guru such an important stature in a devotee's or a seeker's life? If not for the guru, we would not have the opportunity to understand clear our convictions, put them into practice and evolve. There are certain runa that which we can never repay back. Pitra runa, Matra runa and Rishi runa or Guru runa. Rest of the debts being a part of the society, we can pay them back. These we are constantly indebted to. Therefore, the knowledge that we have learned from that Guru is not to be uh, applied back on that Guru. They say, Gurunasaha Advaitam Mahabruyat. And the entire Guru Stotram talks of the glory of that Guru in our life as to why a Guru is that important. I think at this point I would give a smart answer that once Gurudev was asked, a neo intellectual. Whenever I say neo-intellectual, I am picking on that uh, brand of people who think they are intelligent. Therefore, I am literally giving a gali to them. So the neo-intellectual approached Gurudev and he said, all that which you are saying is already in the book. Why do we need a guru? So he just looked at him and said, go ask that book. Somebody who has experienced that which the scripture is speaking, born from that experience, enlivens the words of that scripture and delivers it as a personal nuggets of wisdom to each Sishya. Such one is called a Guru. And in doing so, it is not necessary that he pamper the Sishya. And here I love the definition of, see, Akhanda Nanji Maharaj, who has had a lot of influence in my thinking and Vedantic study. So he used to define, he used to always speak in Hindi. So Guru Kaun used to ask. Guru wo, jo hamesha sishya pe gurrate rehta ho. Wo Guru. 
the one who is never ever satisfied with his shishya constantly pushes that shishya for a better way to move forward in the path of spirituality until they reach to that highest point of oneness with that supreme until then they are not satisfied such one is a guru so to his own personal guru govinda govindam sadgurum pranataha aham asmi and then the final meaning of govinda in sanskritam go that word means indriya golaka all the organs of perception and action vinda vindate anena sahaja rupena the one who has complete mastery over the organs of perception action mind and intellect that consciousness is called govinda therefore that consciousness is referred here in the next word as parama ananda swarupam that which is of the nature of greatest bliss parama ananda swarupam as we move forward i will also try explaining i mean it will come when we'll explain about it but here just to mention the difference between swarupa and guna is like day and night ananda swarupam natu guna swarupam this ananda is swarupa not a guna i'll give you an example you are like already like what do you mean by it and i don't i don't see any difference guna means quality attributes swarupa means nature nature always exists in all shapes and dimensions whereas the attributes can be acquired enhanced lost or reinstilled when i go to a coffee shop i like the smallest hottest version so when i go i say give me a hot triple espresso uncorrupted with any milk or sugar straight download some people even tease me saying that it is straight iv when i tell them that yes i belong to that iv league and you go to a starbucks you have three sizes right one is a tall second one is a mug and third one is a bucket tall venti grande in different languages it means big so I, i always wondered until i met this person how in heaven do you drink that bucket full of coffee 
so they get that bucket full of coffee and sip their way through the office and having reached the office it has already become cold so reheat it they keep heating and reheating it until lunch drinking from the same thing so though you have to go order and you know with the lawsuit of the hot uh, beverage they tend to make it little cold i usually don't like very hot but here when i go i have to specifically order saying uh, you have to chant it in a certain sequence for them otherwise they get lost tall extra hot triple espresso without whip without caramel and if you have add uh, cinnamon and nutmeg and uh, soy and you have to add those things as you chant it along so lord venkateshwara has a dandakam it's a prose form you have to chant it in a certain sequence similarly suprabhata in a coffee shop coffee dandakam so you have to specify extra hot because the heat is an acquired attribute you can cool it if you go to hyderabad they have a unique way of drinking their chai in the tea stalls the, the tea stalls are unusually owned by iranians so they, it's it's the irani chai and they give you with a cup and saucer and if you drink from the cup then you are impolite you have to pour it into the saucer and then slurp it up that's the only way you can tell them that you appreciate the chai that has been given to you so it is hot and by pouring it into that saucer that heat as an attribute is being removed so guna can be acquired enhanced lost rekindled if necessary swarupa the nature can never ever be lost if that nature be removed from that vastu that vastu ceases to be that vastu anymore so i went to somebody's house for bhiksha and they gave some sweet and i took one spoon and then i gave a quizzical look to that amma who had prepared it very inquiringly like what exactly is this she is sweet swami ji so again further physically if you remove sugar from it and give a baked cooked it is no more called sweet uh that doesn't cut it what it goes inside the body and then the body reformats it that is not it's 
A sweet's swarupa has to be when it has that sweetness in it. And that is why I love Gujarati people. They give you pickle and that is also sweet. <laughs> Have I told you that they are wrongly named? They should not be called Gujarati. They should be named as Gudjati. Sweet people. See, from the sweet, you remove the sweetness. Where is the sweet there anymore? The moment that Swarupa is removed, it is no more that Vastu. Then I said, Amma, bring all your gold ornaments to that lady who had given me that sweet, or the joke of a sweet. I said, bring all your gold ornaments. And she very politely brought all her gold ornaments, whatever was there in that house. Why, Swamiji? I said, I'll take all the gold, leave the ornaments for you. How is it possible? Is it even possible that if that be called a sweet and you are making it a possibility, this should also be possible? That the moment you remove gold from the ornaments, there is no more ornament. Because that is its Swarupa Lakshana. So, Anandam, Paramanandam, Swarupa Lakshanam Iti. That Govinda who is the consciousness because of whose presence the organs of perception and action function in their individual fields meticulously right since the day they are born to the day they are done with this body consistently working in that field that consciousness which is of the nature of Paramananda Swarupa I invoke the blessings and offer my salutations to such Govinda. Why are you doing so much of Namaskar Chamatkar? The first line explains it. it says, Sarva Vedanta Siddhanta Gocharam Tamagocharam. <clears throat> I am invoking the blessings, seeking those blessings and offering my salutations to that Lord in Govinda, to my Guru in that Govinda, to my Antah Chaitanya, the consciousness within, I offer the salutations because Sarva Vedanta Siddhanta, that which is proven by all Vedanta texts. Here he is talking about not that which is written by us, but that which is enumerated in the Vedic literature. That Vedanta which is given in the Vedic literature, meaning the Upanishads, the Upanishadic knowledge, to understand it better. Gocharam tam agocharam. To understand it better, Gocharam. Why is it that difficult? He says, A Gocharam. It seems like you can understand it, but it somewhere misses the beat. I feel like I have grasped it, but I step out of the satsang, wear my shoes, and step out, evaporated. 
Do you know what is the most volatile thing in this creation? Not gasoline. Vedanta. The, by the time you go home and your spouse or children have said, uh, you went to satsang. What did you learn today? What were you listening to today? And you were like, uh, it was good. But what? You should have been there. But what did you listen to? Agocharam. It was best described by this person who complimented on my lecture after it was done. He said, Swamiji, you have said something very good, Swamiji, whatever you spoke today in the lecture, it was too good, but it made no sense. I couldn't understand a word of it. What is acha in it? What is good in it? It feels like you grasped it, but it seems like you're trying to hold on to the sand. That which is illustrated through the Upanishads cannot be grasped through the normal way of grasping, understanding that which we have been understanding about the world. It requires a specific different technique to be applied. Therefore, Agocharam. You know, in my native language, when something complicated as a process is given and they want to confirm, did you understand? Will you be able to do it? A quick comeback is, this is not Brahma Vidya, meaning it is not that complicated like Brahma Vidya. It can be done. I think Brahma Vidya is that complicated. It feels like you have grasped it, but it stays ungrasped. Sarva Vedanta Siddhanta Gocharam Tam Agocharam. Govindam Paramanandam Sadgurum Pranatosmyaham Thus offering the salutations to his Guru, the Antar Chaitanya and to that Paramatma. We also offering our prostrations. We move into the main chunk of Viveka Chudamani. It starts from this second shloka. I tell you, pay attention to the first hundred shlokas of this Viveka Chudamani. And it is like a quick reference for any of our ups and downs that we go through life. We find a quick understanding and solution in this first hundred shlokas. After the hundred shlokas, they get very technical. But the first hundred shlokas are a prerequisite. 
So please pay attention to these hundred shlokas. If we want to grow in our spiritual path like a dart to the target. In the city, we have both dart and target. <laughs> Repeat after me. <clears throat> Jantu nam narajan madurlabham. Ataha pumstvam tato viprata. Tasmadvaidika Dharma Marga Parata Vidvatvam Asmat Param Atmanatma Vivechanam Swanubhavo Brahmatmana samsthitihi Muktirno shata janma koti Sukrutaihi Punyair vinalabhyate Jantu nam narajan madurlabhamataha, umstvam tato viprata, tasmat vaidika dharma marga parata, vidvatvamasmat param, atman atma vivechanam svanubhavo, brahmatmana samstitihi, muktirno shatajan makoti sukrutaihi. Adi Shankaracharya changes quite a few meters through this Viveka Chudamani, unlike Bhagavad Gita, where we have Anushtup Chandas and it goes monotonously in that Anushtup Chandas other than the 11th chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Here he changes quite a few meters up and down, and you may uh, hear me chant the same things in different tunes because I am not that very keen or good at singing part of it. So, as the Kannada people would say it, Swalpa adjust Madhkur. Please adjust. <clears throat> okay. Jantu naam nara janma durlabham. We will just focus on this one sentence today. Of all that which has been created, it can be divided into two parts. Sentient and insentient. All that which is sentient here is being recognized as Jantu. Different kinds of sentient expressions. Of these different kind of sentient expressions, 
Narajanma Durlabham. Being born as a human being. We are not even calling being born as a good human being. Being born as a human being. Durlabham. Very, very rare. So one person asked, Swamiji, this statement is not true. Why? If it were that rare, we would have never crossed these many billions. We have what about 7 billion now? 7 billion plus? Whoa, 7.5 billion? The human population? On this earth only, right? <laughs> if it were that rare, then how is it that the human population is exploding? And that day my mind was working in a different order. So I ended up answering it like this. I said, probably these different souls or jivas would have been born as uh, different animals, but we have occupied and destroyed those natural habitats. For lack of opportunity of expression, therefore all those jivas that are supposed to be born as animals are being born as human beings. Therefore we see so much of animosity and Confusion. Jantu naam nara janma durlabham. Of all species. And according to our scriptural reference, we are told there are 84 lakhs. 84 lakhs is 8.4 million. I'm still very confused about lakhs and crores to millions and billions. 8.4 million? If my CPA says it, then it has to be true. <laughs> 8.4 million species. Of these species, human species is a rare occurrence to be born into. A jiva, according to their different tendencies, we acquire these different forms of expression in different forms of species. There are certain traditions that believe that once you are born as a human being, there is no going back. Even in Bhagavan's creation, there is recall. <laughs> Sometimes total recall. And let me bring to your notice the story that Bhagavatam says of King Bharata. You are all aware of that story, right? That he is that Bharata who, after who, the Indian Peninsula was named as Bharata. He was an emperor 
par excellence he had 10 children and in the prime of his time called all his children gave them each their responsibilities and to do it in the prime of their time shows how dispassionate he was that he did not look back he said sons this is what i have as your responsibilities you are the servants of these this kingdom and the citizens so you better be servicing them rather than demanding service from them and the reason i mentioned this i found it very inspiring a king giving responsibilities to his children not as assets but as a responsibility that it is now your job to go serve them and he quits all by himself he goes deep into the forest right next to the river builds himself a small hut starts practicing his spiritual practices very intensely I mean just to do that to give up when you are on the top of everything and not to look back that shows his vairagya that shows his dispassion that shows his commitment a uh, one day while he was practicing his penance right across the river where he had built his little hut on the other side of the river other bank there was a deer fully pregnant drinking some water finding this as an opportune moment a lion attacks and in that fear the baby that she was carrying is dropped into the river and without even looking back that deer runs for its life now what happened to that deer that story doesn't say so director's cut so the scene ends there the focus is on the baby deer that is flowing in the water this king is moved by it stops his penance jumps straight into the river fetches that baby out cleans it up brings some you know milk tender grass and starts to tend to this deer he gets attached to this deer one stray attachment for those of us who say ek hi to hai just one thing you know how does it matter so pay attention and when that deer grows up to a youthful nature there is a group of deer that are going by it joins and leaves and this fellow who was attached to the deer was waiting for that deer his time on this earth comes to an end while he is still thinking about that dear so scene cut now there is a separate scene 
this person who was born as king bharata now is born in his next life as jada bharata he was named as bharata but sorry not jada bharata he was born as a deer i missed a whole one episode sorry editing mishap okay let's reel let's rewind the reel a little bit cut the scene from king bharata now he is born as a deer but his samskara of tapas that he had done as a king continued to persist even in that deer form that he did not engage himself into that deer life quickly quit that life and now again the next scene he was born in this family where he was again named as bharata but because of his non participative nature towards any responsibility or anything out in the world he was behaving as if he was inert dense therefore people nicknamed him as jada bharata and what was his standpoint i said fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me i don't want to get attached to anything being or environment ever again one little flaw one little slip in that life that i got attached to a deer and i went back to being a deer and now i am again as jada bharata i don't want to get attached and entrapped by anything else in this world that was his standpoint now what aspect of this story am i highlighting at that being once born as a human being is not a guaranteed thing that we will stay as a human being forever to come depending on the tendencies of this life we acquire any one of the 8.4 million species thankfully for bharata he was attached to only one thing so only one birth as the deer and then he came back as jada bharata <laughs> what about you and me starting from morning cup of coffee a yo coffee luxury comfort convenience people time space add to that dogs cats geckos i don't know what all people have pets as hint hint tasmat jagrata jagrata not one there are three four dogs <laughs> holy father in the heaven save those poor souls <laughs> even the slightest attachment slightest tendency of attachment our whole movement to the next life can be changed and with this scope when there is so much that we can slip and not be born as a human being 
we have got this opportunity to be born as a human being the rarest of the rare things to happen now having been born as a human being what are the other things that are rarer than being born as a human being that are given in the next list which we will continue tomorrow the same shloka but we'll continue tomorrow om shant shant shantihi Harihi Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Harihi Om